This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And we're on episode 58. And this week, nothing of note has occurred. (laughs) <laughs> in our lives i have something for in the news but yeah nothing's really going on in our lives that we want to no. talk about yeah not that we want to talk about yeah um huh all right trying to think coming up with nothing all right moving on in the news um so y'all will know this by the time i, I guess we're coming up on like we're only three weeks out but um joe biden Joe Biden became president today, today. officially yep. inaugurated. So that'll let you know what day that is, because it's the 20th. And part of Trump's uh, departure, he gifted us one thing that uh, U.S. intelligence agencies have 180 days to tell Congress what they know about UFOs or UAPs. U.S. intelligence agencies. I don't know why I did that twice. Um, a $2.3 trillion COVID-19 relief and funding bill signed into law by former President John- Donald Trump began the 180 count 180 day countdown for the director of the National Intelligence and Security of Defense to provide, quote, an unclassified report about Unidentified aerial phenomena, according to CNN's Harmit Kaur, which is obviously where I got the story, CNN. That report must contain detailed analyses of UFO data and intelligence collected by the Office of Naval Intelligence, the UAP Task Force, and the FBI, according to the Senate Intelligence Committee's directive, Kaur wrote. Um, So this isn't news. uh, Well, not new news. We've heard it, but we just want to pass it along in case you missed that. So we're uh, potentially six months away from either a massive letdown or a semi massive letdown because I don't think they're really going to do anything cool this time. But no, I highly doubt it. At least it's cool to see like unidentified aerial phenomena in law yet again. So that's cool. Anyway, that's all I had for news. All right. Is that all you had for news? Yes. You never have any news. I don't. It's true. Anyway. um, So this week I'm talking about the favorite topic of all time of mine and the encounters with Russians in the Lake Baikal. Baikal. All right. You want to say your favorite? It's aliens. Yeah, it's aliens. They know. Didn't say aliens. They know. I know. But like if this is someone's literal first time listening, they're going to be like. It's aliens. My favorite's aliens. <laughs> it's like where it dominates. It's probably what? 60% of my topics? At least. Yeah. And then 30% ghosts and then 10% just whatever. Yeah. You do some cryptids. Yeah. Mostly aliens. All right. Anyway, you're Okay. Up. So I'm talking about today the um, Lollery Mansion slash house. It's called both. Um, so it was. Built and acquired by Delphine Lallery in 1831. Um, by the time she'd bought this house, she has kind of like a sketchy, weird past. So she'd already been married twice. She was on her third husband, and both of those first husbands died of mysterious deaths. No one ever knew what happened to them or how they died. Um, also, this was very much like her house. Like, she built everything. I guess her husband just didn't care. And she it was all hers. Um, and it was huge. 
And then, uh, so her, her third husband and her two daughters lived there together. She also had a son, but he was grown by the time and no longer lived with them. So she built the two-story mansion with an extensive slave quarter and, uh, yeah, lived there with her husband, two daughters, as well as their many, What was the year in 18 what? 1831. Okay. Between 1831 and 1834, there was a lot of speculation that Lallery was treating her slaves badly uh, by friends who came to visit. So when they would come to her Which, house... Which, by the way, that bar is set so low. Yeah, I'm not sure what people considered as bad or good. Like, I'm not... What was yeah, the... Like, I mean, yeah. It is interesting to think that there was a bar yeah. that then you I'm could gonna, I'm going to go more into that later, and it will kind of even be more... Like a more, like... I don't know how to describe it. Like a soft. More dramatic showing of that. Um, Because a lot of people would describe them as haggard, not dressed well, um, not fed well. Well, like the amount of clothes they were wearing was all like mess, like tattered and bad, which I guess. Yeah, I find that odd that that, that's like. What's it called? Uh, Well, yeah, abnormal. I would I would think it's like a. I, I bet it was more of a like you have money. So these, you need to have the, the slaves that are inside your home need to look decent. Like a purse dog. Gosh, that's awful. But yeah, yeah that like makes I sense. think because, okay. you know, yeah. Anyways, um, but many people who saw her out and about said that they looked normal. Like whenever her slaves were with her, they all looked normal. So it was very like just different depending on who you talk to. Um, also between 1830 and 1834, according to f- the funeral registry in New Orleans. Sorry, the Lollery Mansion is in New Orleans. I did not write that before. Um, there were 12 still standing. Hold on. There were 12 documented deaths of slaves owned by her. Um, but no known case. Also, obviously there's a chance that some of that was disease, but in the funeral registry does not say how any of those slaves died. Also a neighbor of Lollary claimed that she saw once saw a young slave girl somewhere between the age of 8 and 12 named Leah um, fall to her death off the roof of the home while trying to avoid punishment from Lollary. Uh, it, according to other records, she had been uh, combing Lollary's hair and she pulled on it too hard. Lollary came at her with a whip. She ran away up to the roof of the house and then fell. And then they buried her on their land. Um, this report led to an investigation on the Lurie family where they were found guilty of illegal cruelty and were forced to forfeit nine of their slaves. But those slaves were all eventually bought back by the Lurie family through a relative and returned back to the house. I would really like to see how these laws are written for slave cruelty. Like, that's just not, the, it's, it's just not something you hear what, about. Yeah, what would be considered illegal cruelty? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it must be awful, obviously. I think we kind of view it as like back then as... I don't, I don't want to say this the right way. Um, like just when it came to slaves, it was like lawless. It was that, I mean, that's the way it's painted because they were, they're technically, I mean, they were considered property. Right. So because of that, it doesn't seem like like it's like someone getting mad at me. I mean, as awful as this is, I'm I'm just saying as far as like the way the time is portrayed, it's like someone getting mad at me about how I treat my desk. Right. Like, um, yeah, Um, you just don't hear about it. I guess is what I'm saying, which I'm not going to say that gives me like any kind of hope. But I am glad there is at least some kind of law. Yeah. Uh, it was it was awful. So I mean, also obviously. many of the people who visited her home reported that her cook was chained to the stove um, and left her all, left there all day. And that if her daughters attempted to feed the slaves, she would beat them. 
like over time or you said this was one report or over time oh, they okay. just they just mentioned it happening um on april 10th 1834 a fire broke out at the home starting in the kitchen when police arrived they found the 73 year old cook chained to the stove by her ankle she claimed she had started the fire as a suicide attempt out of fear of being punished she also claimed that if slaves were ever taken to the uppermost room in the home they never came back um so she was afraid of obviously getting sent up there. So she was trying to, that was the fire. So when the fire started, bystanders outside tried to enter the slave quarters to help the slaves out. Um, Lollery refused to hand them the keys. So they broke down the doors. They found, quote, seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched out and torn from one extremity to the other, end quote. Um, also, they, when asked how long they'd been in there, they claimed to have been imprisoned there for months. Um, one of the ones who entered the premises was a man, uh, a judge named Jean Franchos Kanogi. Kanogi. Sure. Let me see it. It's the second line. Jean Francois. That one's oh, easy. And then. I did that bad. Kanongi? See, I that's what know. I that, said. That one I don't know. Okay. Um, but Jean-Francois is that one. So he he claimed to have um, found in the mansion, among others, a, quote, negress wearing an iron collar, end quote, and, and, quote, an old Negro woman who had received a very deep wound on her head who was too weak to be able to walk, end quote. As the town began to kind of, like, obviously realize the treatment of the slaves, people were obviously running out and telling them what happened. A giant mob showed up at the residence and started destroying everything they could. By the time the police showed up, there was barely walls left. There was just nothing left of the home. Um, so this is where I, what I was saying shows up. So the slaves were all taken from the home to a local jail for public viewing. It was so that people could see the suffering they had gone through. Over 4,000 people came and viewed. Like, these people needed to go to a hospital. Not be made up. And it was like... Exhibit. But it was like... It almost seemed like they thought they were doing something good. Like they were trying to be like, look at how these poor slaves were treated when it's like, no, they just made it into like a circus. But like, look at how you're treating them. Like that's it's interesting to me. Like we were talking about the like weird. Just fake lines in the sand that people draw like in their own built morality of like. Well, we can, you know, their property, but you can't treat them like that. Yeah, or like they've been through awful things, but let's go ahead and just observe them as though they're still subhuman. Well, right? make like, them more of like an example yeah. than actually treat them as an individual person. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, yeah, some of them they stayed that they stayed there for a while, and some of them died while in the jail. Obviously, yeah, surprising. Yeah. Um, and then I don't like there was nothing about what happened to them after. There's no. I'm sure a lot of them went to other homes. Um, But during the mob attack, uh, Lollery was seen fleeing the scene and never returned to New Orleans again. Um, After like the smoke had cleared, kind of the police started digging in the yard and found a bunch of bodies of slaves from the home. Also, there were rumors that there were dead bodies found in the attic that were mutilated beyond recognition, but that one was never like proven. Um, According to her headstone, she died in Paris on December 7th, 1842. But according to public record, she died December 7th, 1846. So it's a four-year difference of the same day. So clearly someone wrote something down wrong. 
Um, but how she died is unclear. There's some fantastical story that she died on a boar hunt. But there's no proof of that. That was just what someone said. That's like not even a satisfying lie. No. <laughs> also, like, <laughs> what made you believe anyone would believe you? I don't. What a strange thing to say. Anyways. Um, Watch. It's like that's literally how she died. Yeah. And that person's just like, well, screw you. All right. Look, I got it recorded. <laughs> look, I have no proof or anything, but it happened. OK, <laughs> I said it. You heard it 160 years later. <laughs> All right. It was pretty good. Um, so the mansion stayed at um, rubble for four years after the fire. OK. And then in 1838, Pierre Trestor. Uh, rebuilt the house, and that's what it looks like today. Exactly how he built it then. Um, since then, it in is what year? Sorry, eighteen thirty-eight. Oh wow! So the fire was eighteen thirty-four. Thirty-four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um. So since that time, since it got rebuilt, it has been a public high school, a conservatory of music, an apartment building, a refugee for young delinquents, a bar, and a furniture store. Jeez. Yeah, lots of stuff. Um, my favorite part of this whole thing is in April of two thousand seven. Good old Nick Cage bought the Lollary home for $3.45 million. But then two years later, on November 13, 2009, the house was listed for auction as a result of foreclosure. So Nick. Nick's not doing so well with his money. Nick. Come on, Nick. How many movies have you been wow. in? Wow. All of them. Every offer he's ever Wait, gotten. Wait, hold on. So you, you starred in every single one of these crap movies and you still don't have enough money to keep this house? Foreclosed. Nick, what's happening? Nicholas. I'm 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 dis- I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm going to I'm going to I need to text him. I'm worried about him anyways. So um, over time, the stories of the Lollar of Lollary and her treatment of slaves has been severely exaggerated. There were claims of her eating her slaves, having them chained to walls with their eyes gouged out, lips sewn together, holes in skulls and intestines pulled out. I think that's the part I was talking about whenever you told me you were doing this, where I said that a lot of that was unsubstantiated. That's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, people just well, so apparently it. she had a apparently. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's like this little kid that no, went just stop, just cut that out. Anyway, just cut that part out. No, I'll keep it. I'm oh talking about. Anyway, um, apparently she had a uh, bad reputation, and like people hated her, which she sounds I mean, like an icy yeah, cold bitch. She sounds so, horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, so they like emb- once they had this dirt on her, they embellished a lot over the next hundred and sixty years. Yeah, but. There, there's proof of what she she did. She was bad. Yeah, she just, you know, wasn't gouged her eyes out. Well, I think it is just like the the specifics of it were gonna be blown out of yeah. proportion. Okay. I mean, people were chained to walls. Yeah, I mean, she's and awful. Limbs were taken off, but yeah. I mean, that's yeah, about as bad. Not yeah. as bad as it gets, but um, pretty close. So, when the home was an apartment building, one of the residents was murdered in their apartment. Uh, it appeared someone had robbed him at first, but then the police noticed that nothing was missing. When they talked to the man's friends about his death, they reported uh, he had been complaining about having problems with sprites in his house. Uh, he also claimed that there was a demon in his home who was not going to rest until he met his end. A little, and he talked about this a little while before his death. And they never found out who, how he died, like who did it to him or anything. I hope the demon is at rest then, I guess. Yeah. Um, when it was a school, many of the it was an all girls school and many of the girls uh, who attended reported being physically attacked by entities. The students would come to their teachers uh, with scratches and bruises on their arms. And when the teachers would ask who did this to you, they would say the woman. Um, and these were little girls. And it like most people did not know about like Lollary was not this huge known thing. So how would like six year old little girls already know that story? Um 
Also, there's been throughout all of its history, many reports of moaning coming from the rooms the slaves were kept in. Um, so the house is now a historical landmark and they do ghost tours. Uh, so that's on, the news I was hoping for. Yeah. Uh, so when we do finally go, since go, we only yeah. live like we need to go eight hours away, 12 hours, eight hours, 10 hours. Uh, <laughs> of course I was wrong. Right um, yeah, we need to go. So on one of the tours, a woman claiming to be a medium went to went on the tour to see what she could find. She claimed the house held much sadness. She also claimed to have the spirit of a young boy who liked to play pranks on the living. And Gosh, if, if I could get some people to pay for me to be a medium, I swear. <laughs> you, know, you, you go into a torture house and you're like, it's pretty negative in here. It's sad. It's you know what? I'm, I'm detecting a hint of sadness. What the hell? Hey, I don't know if you guys know, but a house where a bunch of people were murdered and treated horribly. It's like, probably it's, sad. There's a lot of you know sad what? in I'll there. Be, I'll be the against the grain psychic. I'll be like, you know what? I feel like, man, happiness well, and clowns. Well, I mean, she claimed to have a young boy who liked to play pranks on people and a nervous girl. That's ridiculous. That Absolutely. Has, that's not even if, close if to anything. If there was that, a young man and a girl in the house, it's like 50-50 that they played pranks or were nervous. Yeah. I'm so upset by this. Anyways, um... Then one of the tour guides had a few things happen to them. So one of the tour guides claimed to have something paranormal happen to her. She was standing by the front door about to start a tour when she felt a tug on her messenger bag. She stopped mid-sentence and turned around to see who it was, but no one was there. She continued talking and within about 10 seconds, she felt an even sharper tug. But when she looked again, there was no one. And she even like commented on it to the people she was talking to. Um, two weeks later... The same guide was standing beneath a burnt-out street lamp outside of the home um, as a part of the tour. And when she mentioned the name Leah, which was the little girl that fell off, the street lamp suddenly flickered on. It's pretty creepy. So, yeah, I mean, like I've always said, the thing I always agree with is that if there's ever going to be ghosts in attached to bad places, these are the kind of places that ghosts would be. Like, I don't know if I subscribe to that idea, but if that's what's happening, of course there's going to be bad juju up in this place because I mean, horrible yeah, we, bad things happened there. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a million times. I just. Ghost is hard for me because it's like we've talked about, like, like when you said, like if there was more proof, it's like, there's just like with aliens, the reason we're not getting answers is because people are hiding answers or whatever. There's this tiny, whatever percent chance that there are no answers to that. But like with ghosts, it's like, there, there's not really going to be answers like it. It's such an unknown thing that like it's such a like either you believe it or you don't. Either you've had experiences or you haven't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even if like we ever do get proof of like, oh, there was this perfectly scientific experiment and something unknown pushed it like we don't we have no clue the, the like nature of it. You know, it's right. just well, because that's the other thing, too. Like I said, like. <sighs> what we consider to be ghosts or ghosts trying to contact us or whatever could be something completely, it could be real. It just could be something completely different than what we're, Yeah, we have no clue. Yeah. For all we know, it could be aliens, right? Yeah. So anyways, my references are, um, ghost city tours, French quarter phantoms and Atlas Obscura. Cool. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Hey, do you need, a? do you need this kind of break? Comes the best part. Oh, lover of the Russian queen. There it is. 
right? Yes. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to spend our break. We're so dumb. All right. And. Oh. Are we done? I don't know. All right. Action. All right, so I'm going to be talking about the Lake Baikal Encounters, like I talked about. So I had never heard of this. If you have, um, great. I, I don't know how obscure this is. <laughs> you have, great. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just hadn't heard of it, um, which is shocking for me because I thought I knew most of the like documented alien encounters. But anyway, um, so apparently there was a <laughs> that kid, man. Apparently, Jeez, Louise, you gotta give up on the kid. Man. I can't give up on that kid. Y'all gotta check out this YouTube video. <laughs> it's not half as funny as RJ thinks. It it's is. not that funny. It's just I don't know. Okay, whatever. It's a dumb YouTube video. Anyway, um, you're not even gonna tell them what it is. <laughs> it's just gonna keep saying apparently, and then they're never gonna find out what you're talking kid about. That says apparently a million times in an interview. Yeah, he's like a little Midwestern redhead. They're at a theme park. Yeah. And so just look up like theme park kid, apparently. And I promise you you'll find laugh. it. <laughs> you won't laugh at all. You won't. You'll yeah. agree with me. Whatever. But anyways. I didn't think it was that funny. It's just the kid. I don't know. <sighs> all right. Anyway. 50%. No. Why am I just going to read that? That's the dumbest <laughs> thing. Okay. So what I was saying prior to the big interruption was that um, <laughs> uh, apparently there was, <laughs> that's, that's why that went, that's what derailed me. Um, the Russians, uh, well, post-Soviet Union, right? Um, there, there was a time where they actually released their UFO documentation um, before Putin locked it back up, but he did lock it back up. Right. But, but in between the time of, of the Soviet Union ending and, uh, when I think it was the early two thousands, when Putin locked up the information, the Soviets, uh, UFO files are just flying around out there. So, um, we're going to talk about some of their most compelling cases. Um, both happened in Lake Baikal, which is, I think the deepest lake. Uh, so similar to like Loch Ness is just super deep. Right. Um, but anyway, there was a, a quote from a Russian officer in that documentation that says 50% of UFO encounters are connected with oceans, 15% or more with lakes. And so UFOs tend to stick to water, it says. Um, huh, quote, I've never heard that before. USOs? You've never heard of USOs? No, no, I've never heard of the fact that they stick closer to water. Oh, yeah, they do. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. But yeah, USOs are like a huge, huge thing, especially when it comes to the military. Okay. Um, Quote, on several occasions, uh, the instruments gave readings. This, this is a quote from the documentation, but I'll provide context here in a second. On several occasions, the instru instruments gave readings of material objects moving at incredible speed. A sub, sub commander recalled, quote, calculations showed speeds of about 230 knots, 400 or 400 kilometers per hour, which is about 250 miles per hour. Uh -huh. uh, speeding so fast is a challenge even on the surface, but water resistance is much higher. It is like the objects uh, defied the laws of physics. There's only one explanation. The creatures who built them far surpass us in development. OK, OK, so the context behind that quote is that the um there was a submarine um that they were testing in lake baikal mm -hmm. and uh they noticed a triangular formation of six objects approaching them at that speed about 250 miles per hour which is pretty which is still impossible under, yeah. underwater now right. right much less back then um and the formation came up to the submarine and then slowed to uh to like match them to which also showed them that it wasn't just a instrument anomaly because that's what they thought it was at first. It's just like, OK, our instruments must be freaking out. Right. 
but no. So once the thing kind of came close to them, uh, the submarine had already started a breaching maneuver. And once the submarine breached uh, through the periscope, it watched the six uh, six objects lift out of the water into the sky and take off. Just like blast away. What? Yeah. So they watched these USOs uh, after it caught up to them lift up out of the water and, and take off. Wow. Yeah. Um, and in 1982, um, seven military divers were reported to have come across aliens under the waters of Lake Baikal. Um, Alexei Tivanenko, um, a doctor of history, said, quote, at a depth of 50 meters, they met swimmers around three meters tall, dressed in tight fitting silvery suits, and they did not have scuba or other devices, just helmets on their heads. Um, so to, to give that a little bit of perspective, um, 50 meters is about 150 feet down, a little bit more, 160 something yeah. uh, feet down. Recreational diving ends at about 130. OK, um, and the reason for that is because of uh, decompression sickness. Yeah. Right. Right. So you have to get um, special deco certifications to go below that. And and even if you were to go to the recreational limit, like I've I've dove over 100 feet before, but you, you can only spend a very small amount of time. By the time you get down that low, you really only spend like four or five minutes and then you got to start your deco stops. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a pretty specialized dive. Right. Um, and like like they said, it was it was military. Um, and for uh, three meter tall, in case you're not great at conversions, that's over nine foot tall creatures. Right. Um, that they okay. said were humanoid, um, but they kind of looked like like a little bit lizardy. There's there's artist depictions out there on the web. If you, if you search this like by call encounter um, and they were wearing like silvery, what was later described as like biotech suits. Um, so like not exactly like like neoprene um, mm-hmm. or anything, but something that like was a little bit more form fitting and, okay. you know, silvery. Um, but anyway, they quote they. Re- <laughs> so let me read the, the official quote and then I'll just kind of um, explain it the way I heard it explained. But, quote, uh, they received an order to catch the Aetiander, uh, which is a Russian word, which means half boy, half shark from Russian for- folklore. OK, um, but they were immediately washed ashore by a defensive force field push with signs of decompression. So let me explain that. So um, the way that I heard it described was they were approached by these. Um, I think I believe it was also six. um Massive creatures, right? And they were just kind of in a, sta- a stare off mm-hmm. looking at each other. Um, and then they decided um, that they were going to go and try to catch one. And and they had a net. So uh, they tried to get one of these nine foot creatures before they could get even within like touching range. They were blasted out of the water. Not not just pushed back. Nothing like right. but, but, but blasted. So to put that in perspective, um, that's like the number one no-no of diving, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so uh, before we talk about like more, more about the descri- description of that. So um, as they uh, they had as they breached, right, they, they all showed signs of deco sickness, right? Uh-huh. Um, they had two decompression convi- devices. So what these are are like uh, chambers. And what, what they do is they put you in the chamber, but you're on land. Mm-hmm. And then they just slowly bring you up to pressure. Um, so, okay. so what what decompression sickness is, is whenever you have um, compressed gas, um, normally uh, nitrogen in your blood um, and then you, you rise too quickly. Right. So like as a diver, they always tell you uh, don't rise faster than your air bubbles. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Um, if you rise too quickly or don't do your deco stops, um, that nitrogen in your blood turns into uh, bubbles and then you get what's called the bends. Right. And yeah. so, um, it makes your muscles contract horribly. It's incredibly painful. It, ruin, it, it hurts your skin. Uh, and in worst case scenarios, it can make your heart stop. Right. Well, um, these com- decompression devices. So like I said, it was a deco dive. That's that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, one wasn't working. Uh, what they do, though, is uh, they simulate the really low pressure down at water. Um, but obviously you have like an unlimited supply of air. So you can just sit in there like reading a book or whatever while you deco. Right. Okay. So the normal way that you deco under the water is you have to sit at like what like whatever depth, like uh-huh. let's say. 75 feet, you sit there for 15 minutes, then Mm -hmm. you go to 60 feet, you sit there for 15 minutes, and then you you do this again and again and again, all the way up. And so like, people that do long term deco dives, like, and they're sitting there with a rebreather, like they can sit on a decompression stop or or have air waiting for them, they can sit there as much as like three hours, right? Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that's what this tank does, but it does it up on the surface. So like if you're showing symptoms of the bends, they lower that pressure back down, turns the nitrogen back into uh, liquid mm-hmm. and then or, or not as gaseous. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you can just like off gas that nitrogen at, at your leisure because you're up on the surface. Right. OK. Well, anyway, um, they had two of those types of defa- uh, devices, but one was broken. So all seven people could not fit inside. They could only put four of them. Uh, three of the people that were not put into the device died there on the beach. Oh, wow. All fo- all seven of them had decompression sickness. Uh, the four had, you know, various injuries from it. Um and Tevin Nenko has likened the descriptions um, uh, to ancient alien petroglyphs as seen by the aliens visiting the or seen by some as aliens visiting the Earth. Mm-hmm. So you'll see, you know, if you Google ancient aliens, you're going to see a bunch of thing, things with creatures that just have like bubbles for heads or, or helmets on their heads. That's what he said. It kind of sounded like, right? Quote, I have hundreds of drawings of these, quote, sons of the sky, he told NTV. Um, They are united by the fact that all of them are tall, dressed in suits, all with the helmets on their heads. And there are mechanisms used and there are mechanisms mechanisms used by astronauts today. In other words, what he's saying is um, it would be it would be the same as if you brought an astronaut to an ancient society and told them to draw it. And that's what he said. Yeah. but yeah, so I want to talk for a second about seven divers being blasted out of the water from 150 yeah, feet that's down. That's insane. It's a huge amount of uh, force. Yeah. Right. Um, now, on the flip side, it wouldn't have to be like a cannon shot, right? So one thing that can happen when you're diving is um, if you start to ascend, it becomes very, very difficult to stop your ascent mm-hmm. because um, as as the air in your uh, buoyancy device starts to expand, if you can't off gas that expanding air quick enough, you will ascend yeah. always. Right. So um, that is what my guess would be. What happened is whatever this was knocked them, you know, even even just a factor of like 20 feet up at that at that low. When yeah. you're when you're that deep, uh, the expansion of your buoyancy devices would be very fast mm-hmm. right so um in fact well the only thing against that theory is you you would think that the uh, buoyancy devices would actually have ruptured but um but yeah so for something that they saw and lived to tell the tale about uh to knock them out of the water like this is that's insane very yeah. wild. and this is i mean this is do- as documented as it gets right yeah right and as official as it gets yeah so 
Those two things, um, Lake Baikal. Uh, so there was a lot of interest in Lake Baikal after that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here are some additional stories. Um, one is from 17th of April, 1987. The following words are from Valery Rudenstov, or Rudenstov, a local resident of a nearby Shida village. Quote, there were 13 of us about 1220 a.m. One of our guys went out to the yard. A few seconds later, he runs and calls all of us out. He stood in the center of the yard and pointed his finger at the sky. Diagonally from his gesture, 150 meters above us hung a huge flying saucer. From the center of the plate went a phosphorant purple ray. And at the edges of the plate were yellowed portholes, almost like our rural houses. Um, the diameter of the plate was 70 meters. We saw it so clearly and for a long time, someone even suggested suggested we throw a stone at it. The weather was amazingly quiet. No sound was heard from the hanging saucer, although behind us was the village of Kerma. There was an, the noise of a dog barking, the lowing of cows, and we were spellbound. It was a full moon and the visibility was so clear that none of us could doubt the reality of what we saw. And then the plate slid smoothly away, sailed along the shore of the bay and further slipped into the hills of Olkon. Neither before nor after have I seen such a thing. But since that time, it has been kind of a sacrilege to me not to believe in UFOs. (laughs) Um, He says, my friend Alexander or, or she, I believe, sorry. Uh, My friend Alexander, a hunter, and his colleagues who lived here for 30 years often see UFOs, and all is fine. He is still alive. So if I speak to glowing balls or cigars, we constantly see these on the shores of Lake Baikal. They exist. Wow. Um, So, yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the the idea of USOs, right? So um, one of the specials I thought about doing for a while, and we still might, or I may just do it as like a... Um, break those stories down over different episodes is the the American military comes across USOs all the time as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and one of the main things about USOs is that if you have a spaceship that's specifically designed well to move through um, the horribleness of space, right. Mm-hmm. And can survive reentry and, and entry and do this all at will. Um, the idea that it can survive underwater is no big deal. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and so if you take it from like an alien point of view, right, we have everything looking up. We have very little, like very, very little monitoring the waters yeah. of the world. Right. So once you get into Earth, if you want to do like a long term base or like observation or whatever, you're going to be pretty familiar with water. Yeah. Because as long as you can traverse through water, why would you risk being seen up on, in the air? Yeah, right? of course. Um, and so USOs, yeah, USOs are very, very common. The U S military has a lot of, um, like I said, encounters where, um, they would watch the USOs go into the water, fly out of the water, go back in the water. Um, I mean, hell, even the, uh, the one from, uh, Fravor had a USO, right? right. Um, so I mean, I think there has to be something to this, right? (laughs) Like, um, I think the amount of, uh, so something that's interesting here, I'll do the story some other time. But but while this was happening, right, uh, the U.S. troops encountered uh, during the Korean War um, in the 50s. Right. So mm-hmm. so not exactly at the same time. But I just mean the time period of, of dealing with the USSR um, and, and, you know, the Cold War and stuff around that same time. Uh, the U.S. was dealing with. Uh, these technologies and thinking it was the Russians and the Russians were dealing with these technologies thinking Thing, it was yeah. the U.S. I think that's very compelling. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because these people thought, well, I mean, in, in, a, in an era where uh, the U.S. had just barely rolled out 
the nuclear bomb, right? Yeah. Something that was like, and in the USSR very quickly caught up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there and then the space race, right? Like, well, and also, so you have. It's not like, like they were against each other and they were keeping secrets. So, like, if you saw something that you'd never seen before, the first thing you're gonna think, you're, you're like, oh well, that's some new technology that yeah. they haven't, because of course that we're not sharing with each other. Like, you're that's. That was like the whole deal with the space race and everything. So, yeah, it'd be easy to be like, oh, that just must be the Americans or that must be the Russians. Exactly. And I think that that's the one of the more compelling things about this is like they weren't hiding it because they knew it was aliens. They were hiding it because they were worried that us as the U.S. had passed. It would make them look bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. There there are some other stories. So my my sources were Siberian Times and Wired um, dot com. But the Siberian Times article is specifically the one where you can you can hear a couple more stories. I mean, it, it's it reads like rural people telling a alien story. Right. But I just think it's interesting that like Loch Ness, uh, like Baikal has kind of found itself being like a center of paranormal. Yeah. Um, and how deep waters seem to do that. Um, well, yeah, because it's the unknown. We don't we can't go down there. Exactly. And we- well, Actually, that's a funny part. So one thing that I think is kind of a leads to the non-credibility of this uh-huh. um, within Russia is that um, even though Putin hid this uh, documentation once again, right? He was part of an early 2000s uh, voyage. He got onto a mini sub that went to the bottom of Lake Baikal. So oh, okay. I think if... Now, Putin's a ballsy son of a gun, right? Yeah. But um, he like fights I, bears, doesn't yeah, he? Well, no. But, um, well, like, has had association with bears. <laughs> he's had a, well, as much as any other Russian. That's, that's a lot. No, I it's think, more than I have. about the Photoshop pictures of him shirtless with a bear. I'm just saying. Riding a moose. I feel like there's got to be some kind yeah, of accuracy with this. That he's, he has bear company. In some way, whether it's good or rivals, I don't know. He probably does. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Putin uh, went in this sub. So I think that if he had a good inkling that there were like, you know, aliens present, I'm pretty sure that the send someone down their vibe would outrule the curiosity vibe for him. But or, yeah, it would be I want to be the dude who sees the aliens. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what makes Putin kind of hard to read, yeah. right, is he may be that dude. Um, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the the picture of Putin with Kennedy. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Um, so back when he was a KGB agent, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is for sure, but for real, but um, there's a picture of him as a tourist right next to Kennedy when he was a KGB agent. So he could have done whatever he wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been circulating the web. Wait, I think it was, I said it was uh, Kennedy, but it was Reagan that he was pictured with. Not, not Kennedy. I mean, the dude is a badass, right? Oh, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. He's just also awful. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Not awful. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's my Russia alien story. Interesting. Similar in flavor to, um, what, what our first episode, Dial of Pass, right? Yeah. In the sense that like, I just find it so interesting that there is another major government that's dealing with this, right? Just like China and Iran and all these other places that have their own UFO issues and studies and all this other, um, I just find that fascinating that you know because i mean it, it's one thing just to look at our government and and yeah say that right. all the time but it, but it is it's just a it's just a different thing to look at it as a, a global issue right yeah well yeah because it it would be if and that is. is what's happening there's no way well that was like that that quote that uh i think it was kennedy and i think it was kennedy no 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 it was reagan 
whenever he was uh, talking to, I guess, Gorbachev. I don't know. I'm probably part of the mess. Okay, mixing up someone. All these. A president yeah. was talking to. A U.S. president was talking <laughs> to a leader of Russia, I believe, yep. and was like, hey, if, uh, if it came down to aliens, would you have our backs? And the dude was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, so um, that was not worth the three minutes I put nope, into it. Nope, but all right. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think it's just a cool topic. Uh, obviously, it's my favorite topic, but I think looking at it from different points of view is is very interesting. Yeah, same. Um, real quick, what do you think about that, though? Think about what? Like, like this specific story. Do you think it's legit? Um, I mean, I think it's as it's as legit as a story like this can be. Like, it's coming from people. You mean except for like the videoed ones that we have? Yeah. Well, sorry. Um. Well, like even then, I think it's just it's military people. It's like. There were seven people there. Four out of the seven can document that because they're the ones who made it. They all said the same thing. That always, like, it's the best we can do. Yeah, I mean, my thing about this one in particular is what the hell else could it be, right? Like, yeah. it's the same thing like I went to with Fravor in the in the videos from the DOD. It's by process of elimination, you know, you're going to get down to a, a limit, right? Yeah. Like, you're down beyond recreational diving. You're down beyond... An ability to like, I can't punch you up 150 feet no. in the water, right? No. Like, that's what I mean. It's just like it, it's it's these things that if we're to be able to believe the documentation. Yes. Right. Then that's what it. And then and I get it. It's the least. Um, I mean, but, but here's my other thing. If there was a mistake. Yeah. What's less embarrassing for Russia to document that it was aliens or that we had seven of our best divers just screw up, right? Yeah. Also, I don't know. it's a very scary high stress situation where like if one person saw what happened and the others didn't and then they tell them, "Oh, that must be what it was." Yeah, I mean, because you want to make sense out of what's happening, you want to understand you The other part though is to have seven dudes all ascend unsafely. Like that that's weird. Yeah. To your point, though, if they all made the same dumb mistake and then did like the five year old thing, came up with a wild excuse for it. Right. I don't know. I mean, you know, people are fallible, right? Yeah. Video well, and also, is also fallible, but less so. Not just so. people like people on purpose or anything like that. Like our brains are fallible. Our brains will make up things. Oh, or, and, and buy into it 100%. Yeah. yeah. So that's hard, too, because it's. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, like it's the least disputable not the least, but up there with it, it's it's a good story. Like Fravor, yeah. it's like it's it's up there with the ones where it's like there's just not a whole lot I could say, well, this could have happened or you know what I mean? Yep. Like yeah. I agree. Okay. Um Yeah, so we also just to give you all a heads up, we kind of decided that sticking to a rotation of topics is whack. So if we double up on some stuff, like I've done a lot of aliens lately. Sorry, but we're probably just gonna do that. I, I don't think it bothers y'all too much though. Yeah, it, yeah, I just think it's for me, it's not even about like specific topics. Um, it's more about what I've found interesting at the moment. Like, it's, I was actually literally about to say that it's um, we want to avoid it being a report like a book report. Yeah. Right? And and what it is, is like as we're perusing the Internet, sometimes something like this story just literally caught my eye and I was like watching videos about it and stuff. And then I decided to present it. Right. Like and so by not forcing a rotation like we kind of keep it fresh. Yeah. Well, and for so. me, it's less, it's like, I just look up like, what's a cool thing. And someone's like, this is a cool thing. And I'm like, that's a cool yeah, thing. A cool I want to talk about that cool thing yeah. rather than like, well, but I've already talked about that kind of cool thing. Yeah. And I yeah. think from the show perspective, like if I'm more interested, that's better than, 
a, a, an arbitrary rotation, right? Same. So anyway, just giving you a little peek behind the curtain there, which we do very often because <laughs> we like to make excuses. Professionalism is not a thing we know how to do. We're literally not professionals. So, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And even if we were, I don't think we'd be very good at it. So, nope. All right. Y'all have an incredible week and enjoy the presidency. All right. Hey, because we have another choice. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> One two three one two three one two three one two three. That's like your best one two three maybe ever. <laughs> All right, Donald. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you know everything about one two threes? Nobody knows more than one two <laughs> about one two threes than I do. I guarantee it. You know, I know this one guy once, and he knew so much about Mike checks. I'll tell you what. Oh, good. That was good. I liked it. Wait, wait. It's gonna mess me up. Can you go get the monitor, please? Why would it mess you up? Because I'm going to smack stuff like I do every time I get up. Wait. I have to literally take off the thing. Oh. Right? oh, oh, oh it's one so thing. To... You're the one that bitches every time I smack I into it. Come over here so I can punch you in the tit. No, come here. I don't want to take a tit punch. <laughs> you like did. You did slap me. Stupid hoe. I'm, drink, I'm drinking out of your emotional support water bottle. I'm doing it. All right, ready? the stupidest people I know. We are literally the dumbest people I know. I know um, a lot of people. I, I know so many people. <laughs> I know more people than you have ever met in your entire life. I've met millions and millions and millions and billions and of people. And you might be the stupidest people <laughs> I've ever You're met. You're probably the dumbest man I've ever met. <laughs> but I'm the smartest man you've ever met. God. <laughs> You know what they said? They said that they, I, I, I know many experts and, and they've all said, you know, that Donald is an impressive man. <laughs> it's the worst impression I do, but my God. That is my Please favorite. I have so many better impressions. But.